2: Hello, hello! It's me. It's Kerry. I'm back. I'm back from the Costa Tropicál,
3: which is (laughs) there's no such thing. (laughs) There is. It's a real place in a real country. Making costas up.
2: You may know that voice. That is the Kerry.
3: Have you ever heard of the Costa Tropicana? Yeah, (laughs) Tropicál.
2: It's not the Club Tropicana, which is obviously your favourite hangout. But let me just say before you interrupt, who you are? It's him. Oops. It's Andy, who's been looking after you all for the last few weeks. Very well, I think. Um, good to see you, Andy Saunders. And, of course, the illustrious, the ever-writing, the ever-wonderful bleacher himself, Mr. Gary Hayes. Sorry, can I interrupt your
0: texting? No, Gary was, I, Hayes. I was just getting my stats up on Diego Costa. <laughs> I thought you were oh, getting hello, there. I am uh, the voice uh, of reason. Uh-oh. I thought, guys, I
3: thought you were Googling the Costa tropical. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist.
2: (laughs) Of course, it exists. You know it does. I'm (laughs) going to prove it to all of you. There you go. Anyway, it's nice to be back. Come back, and it's sunshine. Well, I've been working. Mm. You know, you've got a lot more of a town because mm. you just sit in your garden outside of you paid a fiver for you? it down the road on, exactly. on the way here. I'm from, from
0: Essex, of course <laughs> I did, as are you. So yeah. <laughs> Why get the real well, thing I, when I you live can there. get plastic? I'm not from Essex, but I live there. Yeah,
3: well, there you go. You're from Essex then if you live there.
2: Plummies is getting into a right scary domain already. So, anyway, it's, it's good to be back. It's been a, a strange old season watching from afar and, and watching the ups and downs of our team and realising. Do
3: you, you get the games over there or are you going to watch it on dodgy feeds?
2: Dodgy feeds but they they actually seem to work quite well out there i don't know why but right. um yeah it seems to be pretty good so yeah, i've seen all the games i've i've sort of didn't go along with the uh, joy of the first month and the first four games where we looked unbeatable, but uh, then we came up against Liverpool and then Arsenal, of course, uh, we saw that there's a lot of work to do, and I think that's probably where we should start, with uh, the work that uh, Conte obviously has realised he needs to do,
3: and we started seeing signs of that against Hull, I think. Yeah, well, you know, back-to-back league defeats against Liverpool and Arsenal before this game, and um, interestingly, this result extended our unbeaten run against Hull to 13 games. So, I mean, statistically... Uh, this, was, this, this should have been nailed on for us. It, w- it was an interesting team, I thought. Marcus Alonso and Victor Moses making their first league starts of the season. Branislav Ivanovic and Cesc Fabregas dropped to the bench. Ivanovic for the first time in a league game for over three years. And out went the four man defense. In came the, the five man defense, the three at the back. Uh, David Louise in the center of a back three with Cesar Aspoliqueta and Gary Cahill on either side of him. Alonso and Moses at wing backs. And, you know, I mean, ultimately it worked really well. Started off a bit shaky, I thought, but uh, they grew into it. I thought Gary and and, and made it look good by the end
0: Yeah I think that's to be expected as well given that it was a formation change that we hadn't seen during pre-season or any, any time up to now either so um, things to be expected but I think overall as well though that without putting a damper on it you think that you go into hole obviously the, the, the problems they've got is about par for a clean sheet and a, you know, a comfortable victory in the end but I think as they grew into the game they got better but it's just a sign of where they are at the moment and with time, you expect them to get better, but obviously, you know, Conte needs that time and. Yeah, the players going away on the international break on the back of that maybe isn't a good thing.
2: Yeah, I suppose also the thing about this three at the back is that he's kind of been forced into this because you look at our bench, there's always only one defender on the bench. There isn't the mm. depth to sort of go right where he's no good, he's no good, he's not playing well. That needs to change. He just can't do it. So, you know, I mean, we saw the signs of that against Arsenal when it went to three at the back and you thought, mm, not sure this can work. Hull, the jury's still out, but I don't think he's got any options. And supposedly he's been having these meetings with Abramovich all week. Do you think Conte had any idea quite what he was getting himself into and quite how light the squad was
3: in a way? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, this is an international manager. They're not working all the time. I think he would have spent a lot of time talking to people at Chelsea and looking at them, thinking he knew fully well. I I would imagine he approached it as a project. I I would imagine he's had certain assurances from Abramovich on budgets. Um, I don't think our um, buying for the season is over. I think we'll go back into the transfer market in January. I mean, lots of noise is coming out about about us buying more defenders, uh, which is what we need. And I honestly think we're a couple of defenders and a creative midfielder away from being a you know a really challenging team.
0: Yeah, I think as well what, what I found frustrating is a lot of the criticism that's been coming against Conte especially is that um, you know there's, there's been this fixation across social media of why he's picking Ivanovic and Cahill, but he's got no option outside of it. It's, you know, against Arsenal, who did they expect him to pick? Yeah, you know, I know obviously he changed it up against Hull, but I think that Hull was a game where they knew they had the players, they could win it, that if it wasn't going right free, that 3-4-3, free, um, you know come with the you know, the last twenty minutes or thirty minutes of the game, they could switch it back to actually go out and win it with a formation those players are familiar with. But I think that was a good time to test it. But you can't go to Arsenal and give Alonso a debut and then, you know, start shifting around your back four when your best defender's injured. Kurt Zuma's still not fit. You know, I, I'm not sure what people expect from him. Whether you know, there was even talk about, oh, maybe he should bring McKellen if he's fit, you know, to play at centre back. People being you know, it's realistic, desperate, it's, it's desperately deluded. It, it's, what what it, do it, you think... it, It's exactly, it's exactly it, it's yeah. deluded.
3: What do you? I mean, you and I have both been vocal on social media this week about the treatment and particularly Gary Cahill's had from these so-called Chelsea fans, yeah. and it's been disgraceful, utterly disgraceful, and vile. And I think both of us made the point. You wrote a piece on it for, I think Bleacher Report, wasn't yeah. it? But you know, I said that there's a very clear line between criticism and abuse and if somebody wants to criticise Gary Cahill and say didn't play well maybe he shouldn't even be in the team that's fine by me that's legitimate criticism if you start abusing him on a personal level after everything he's done for this club and he's done more for this club than any of these so-called Chelsea fans ever have or ever will um, he's won everything for this club and I think he deserves and he's earned a certain amount of respect for that and by all means criticise I mean and that is the prerogative of any football fan and any supporter of any club to criticise players and to talk amongst friends and to you know to voice those opinions. But you slip into abuse, frankly, you know, you lose my respect straight away.
0: What yeah. I found was really interesting was um, there was this one guy, I don't know what his name is, he's just got some weird handle, but I embedded one of his tweets into, um, into the article I wrote about it that went out last Friday ahead of the um, whole game. And he contacted me on Twitter having a go at me saying, why have you done that? Because I'd embarrassed him. And I was like, well, if I've embarrassed you, mate, why the hell are you saying it? Because if you want to hide behind your bedroom wall saying it, then I'm going to route you on it as well. Not that, you know, I'm going out to millions and millions of people. But still, it's like, you know, some of the, the approach that is just these keyboard warriors that they don't realize what they're saying. And then when they do, they can't retract it because it's out there in the public domain. And it's just been, you know, a fairly... Bit past couple of weeks, isn't it? And, yeah. um Well, let's you know, be—I
3: mean, ninety-nine percent of them are inadequate virgins that have never been to a game. Just, you know? but, I mean, it's like we—I mean, we know at We, least know, you've been that, to games. we know that the <laughs> we know that you know the psychological makeup of these people anyway. But they're a vocal group, and I think that the kind of negativity that they espouse, particularly on social media, it does permeate, permeate into the games occasionally and, th- and into the crowds. And I, I just don't understand this level <coughs> of negativity after seven games. I don't get it. No, could, could I, I mean,
0: just add? Sorry, just just to cut you off, Kerry. Just to what Andy said about. Cahill, in that, um, you know, he, he came to Chelsea in January 2012. And in that time, in, in the four and a bit year, well, four and a half years since, then, it'll be five years this January coming, he's won every trophy in football with Chelsea. And he hasn't just been a passenger in that either. This is a guy that was on one leg in the, in the Champions League final to, you know, to win that, that. Well, him and Louise months- were sharing, a pair, yeah, of legs. sharing okay. a pair of legs. Yeah, but you know, five yeah. months ago, he's in a relegation battle with Bolton, and he comes to us, and, you know, he, he plays a big role in that. He ended up ousting Louise from that team that allowed us to cash in for the 50 million we did. And he's been such a big part of what Chelsea have achieved. Okay, he isn't John Terry, but no one's been asking him to be. But he's been you know, a very good defender for Chelsea. And on top of it all, I may be biased because I get you know, in the privileged position of speaking to him after matches. And he's the most affable player I've ever met. Just an absolutely nice guy. And I know for a fact that he'll be seeing those tweets and that criticism of him and he'll be taking it personally. Yeah, but some of the stuff that got said, I'll put it in my article about, about Ivanovich as well that Ivanovich is a cancer, Ivanovich is AIDS. It is people for real. I know. I know. Absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's horrible.
3: I I mean, I I would. You know. I mean, if you're if you're a masochist and you want to upset yourself, Google Gary Cahill or Ivanovich Twitter and see the the morons that are out there that claim to be. Chelsea We know they're out there. This
2: is the problem that we've got at Chelsea. There's a whole load of. There are the same people who sing songs about Fabregas one minute and then tell everyone what they think of him the next. You know, it's it's this sort of. It's not even.
3: It's not even being a football supporter. It's got nothing to do with. And football. you guarantee that these people that are caning Gary Cahill, if they saw him in the street, they'd do a selfie with him. Yeah. And yeah, of you course. know, it's. Getting
0: an autograph and hugging him and pretending you know, it's the, the, how great the he is. rank
3: hypocrisy and fickleness of <laughs> yeah. it. Just. Listen, I'm, I, you know, I'm 52 years old. I shouldn't get upset about this stuff. But I just think that somebody that's done enough for this club has earned that level of respect. I, I agree.
2: Think. I totally agree. And look, you know, the truth is Ivanovic and Cahill. Are both, especially Cahill, are confidence players. But Gary Cahill and Ivanovic have never deliberately let us down. Some of the things you hear, you would say they were doing this deliberately because they couldn't be bothered.
3: Nothing could Ivanovic be Ivanovic, I just said it earlier on, Ivanovic dropped for the first
0: time in over three years. I think it was longer than that. I think it was AVB that dropped him. In 2011, I might be wrong. I
3: think it's 20. I think it was. I thought it was
0: 2012. I thought
3: it was 2012 as well. I mean, okay, just maybe over it was.
0: Um, okay, maybe it was Avb then. I think it, it was
3: Avb, yeah. but I think it was he okay. dropped him. But I think it was in 2012. But the point being is that he's played an awful lot of football for this club. I think you can count the level of serious mistakes that he's made on the fingers of maybe two hands. Um, you know, and you know somebody put together a stupid compilation of Gary Cahill mistakes. But Gary Cahill's made over 100 appearances for this club. Any player that's made over 100 appearances, I can put together a one-minute video of. Yeah. Lockups that they've made, and John Terry
0: included. E- e- equally, and I could put a one-minute collection of, of my five of side skills that make me look like I should be playing for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, well, I, which I maybe I should you if Evan Arlo part. wants to contact me, and we want, to put,
3: we want to put, up a video of Kerry walking down the <laughs> stairs, it would probably have the same effect. But you know, anyway, we move on. Listen, I mean, I think it's there so was some, rude. I think there was I some. You at in at the cost all you the know? Del
0: Tropicana, <laughs> Tropical,
3: <you laughs> idiot idiots doesn't exist. But surrounded by
2: buffoons, you're going to carry on now,
3: spouting on. Listen I think we you know we we've, we've we've covered that kind of negativity we do that kind of everywhere. I don't want to focus on that what I want to focus on is some some really good stuff Victor Moses you know Victor Moses comes into the team you know his first his last Premier League start for Chelsea was May 2013 against uh, uh, Aston Villa in a a 2-1 win. He's had loans at Liverpool, Stoke and West Ham since then. Came in, played right back, thought he was great. Thought he's been brilliant ever since he came on. You know, he's a player that seems to be rejuvenated under Conte and been given trust by Conte and seems to be, you know, we talk about Carpe Diem, seize the day. You know, he has seized his opportunity at Chelsea. What do we think about Victor? About Vicmo?
2: I think, you know, it's been a long time coming. He hasn't really had a a fair crack of the whip at all in his time at Chelsea. You know, he's, he's always looked the best player in pre-season and then he gets shipped out. And finally, Conte... Obviously, he's looking for people with the right attitude, and whatever goes on in that club, there is no doubt that Victor Moses must have had to earn his place. Because I'm sure that he'll have been told Conte that, well, you know, he's sort of nearly there, but hasn't quite done it, and he's made his own mind up. and And he said it quite early in pre-season that Victor Moses featured in his plans, yep. and I think that did something psychologically to Moses, which has left us with a player I think will get better and better.
0: And I think as well- well that you know if, you, if we're looking for positives of Conte's reign, we can talk about you know formation switches and everything else, but looking for something that's tangible. I think that if you look at Moses, that is a sign of Conte he's got a player who isn't a star, who isn't a name, has no sort of profile, that not many people would be bothered if he left, and he's turned him into a player who's key in that squad. I don't think he's going to be starting every week. But I think he's a player that when the team's going through situations like it has been and he needs to change things up, he can do it. He gives us another option off the benching matches as well that allows him to keep up that intensity throughout the 90 minutes. I, so think, I think overall what Conte's doing with him is positive and that's a sign of where I think this team's going and that you know Moses is a good symbol of that in, in terms of the work that Conte's doing. Obviously, he hasn't addressed every single problem, but he's getting more out of a squad that maybe some managers didn't.
3: I, I, what I like about it is we've had managers in the past that have picked players on reputation and Moses is not a player you would pick on reputation you no. know, Moses is a player you pick and, because you've seen him in training you go I fancy him I fancy he can do a job for me and that for me is a sign of a good manager when you can look at a player and go I'm going to give this player a shot You know, he's done everything I've asked him to do he follows instructions he looks keen he looks up for it he looks hungry he looks like he's got talent I'm going to take a chance at him I don't care if he's a £100 million player you know you wonder whether Mourinho would ever pick a player sheerly on, on what they see in training. I think no. Conte does. You know, Tr- is another example of someone that he's obviously seen in training, obviously yeah. followed his career and gone, I'm going to have a go at this guy, you know. I think all managers want to have a legacy that says, I bought that player through. You know, uh, Ranieri with John Terry or, you know, with, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll always be able to turn around and go, I bought him through. Well, I gave him Frank Lampard shot. as well. Yeah, Frank Lampard, you know, and, you know, a lot of those players w- were bought under Ranieri. Petr yeah. I think, was as well, wasn't yeah, he?
0: It he was, was in that January, but then yeah. he signed... He Joe did, Cole, yeah.
3: you know. You know, a lot of those players. And I think that a manager that that, that brings players through, um, you can say any, what you like about Louis van Gaal, but, man, he brought Rashford through, you know. By accident. Yeah, but sometimes the best things are by po- accident. Pochettino, you know, and Kane, you could argue that was by by accident <laughs> yeah, sure. as well. Yeah. Or Deli Alley. you know. I mean, yeah. but the fact of the matter is, sometimes managers look at players and they go you'll do for me. And I, hopefully, I think my, Victor Moses is one of those players.
2: Yeah, and sometimes you get those accidents that happen. It's noticing what the accident has done that's the most important thing. Yeah. And I, I think it was, it was interesting because I texted you that thing on on during the game about Chalabar that I really like the fact that Conte has gone, I'm going to keep you in the squad. Yeah. You know, because you would have thought, well, he'll probably be going out as usual. And he's deliberately, I think, kept a couple back... In fact, so much so that at the moment, I think he stands more chance of making it in the team at the moment than,
0: say, Loftus-Cheek.
3: Oh, uh, Loftus-Cheek seems to have, you know, yeah, after the, the, the Leicester game, I think he, he you know he didn't, he didn't seize his chance. Yeah. No. He had just just opportunity.
0: to go back to Chaloba as well, um, there was a, a piece on uh, Chelsea TV of Eddie Newton talking about him. And um, I wasn't sure, I'm not sure if it's a, an observation that Newton's made or he's given a bit of insight as to how Chaloba's been you know, brought through under Conte now, but he made that point about being on loan for a year in, in Italy, you know, with Napoli and um, how he's fully indoctrinated in how Italian managers like to, and Italian clubs train and he's come in and he's settled pretty quick under Conte and I think that's something that's had an impact because it's a shame that, um, that Vasilevski got sent off when he did because I thought in that Leicester game. Because when Chaloba came on, he was looking good. And I think you can't really judge him against those 10 men in midfield. Because he had a lot more time. But he still looked so yeah. assured. And th- there was even a point in in the whole game at the weekend. Um, I watched it back. Because I, I didn't go to the game. Because I was at Ipswich.
3: Um, <laughs> why would you explain that? Why yeah, would you
0: explain I, I, I went to watch uh, Casey Palmer. Why? Because I wanted to write a piece about him. And I was meant to interview him after the game. And talk about you know being on loan. And then uh, David Wagner... Uh, Left him on the bench and didn't bring him on. So it was a waste, <laughs> it was a wasted trip. Slept <laughs> all the way up to Suffolk. Yeah, well, so it was, so it's only down the A12 for me, so it wasn't that bad. But um, it was a boring game as well. But um, yeah. So g- going back to Chaloba, is that I, when I was watching it back on Sky Sports that night, the, the whole game, um, you could see him having a go at Pedro, telling Pedro to get into position. And I don't think I, he, I don't think with, he
2: shrinks away yeah, from the. I tr- and that I really think encouraging. I think that's what makes. These young players come through because they have that confidence to go. Oh, you don't go there. Go here, or give yeah, me the yeah, ball. Yeah, that's Pedro,
0: World Cup winner, European Cup winner. I, I think it's a very, I think winner. it's a
3: very interesting point you make about the Napoli experience because he didn't get an awful lot of opportunities at Napoli, but you know it seems that he immersed himself in the culture and he went over there and he embraced it and as you say embraced the the lifestyle embraced it and I think you know that that element of embracing different ideas and different techniques that's important in a player's development and sometimes player go players go to different countries or different cultures or even different teams and they don't assimilate and they don't absorb it and I think it's the measure of a player like Chalaba that he went over had a lot of personal problems um didn't get a lot of game time but came back a better player and right. I think that you know the talk around the club I'm sure Gary is more Insight than me is that you know he's a he's definitely one that people are looking at very seriously. Yeah, well,
0: d- they've, they've been talking about him for years, and ob- obviously, there's that stat that's doing the rounds now about how he was on the bench as a 15 year old and it took you know six years in between for him to be on the bench and make his debut. But you know, I, I, used, to, um, I used to write Neil Barth's program notes um, with Frank Arneson, um, forgive me for Frank Arneson, but um. Yeah, uh, no, Frank Arneson found some decent players um, it, was, it was in the Chelsea programme in the youth team section they used to have a column that I'd write and even then Neil Barth was talking to me about this young kid so we're talking yeah what seven or eight years ago talking about this young kid called uh, Chaloba and his younger brother Trevor I think it is yeah. and it was oh the Chaloba brother you know these, so they're like barely teenagers then and so he's been around at the club for a long time and he's always been the big big hope and it looked like his chances were over and then you know but Conte's brought him in and he's he's impressive
2: but that that is the thing about Conte you know maybe as you say he's been looking at the team over the summer and while he's with the Italy team he'll have been thinking about it but nothing can actually prepare you for all those players you can't see and and what I like is the fact that he's obviously taken time to listen to people in the club who know and to take a good look at at some of these players yeah. and, and has found a way to work them into the squad. And I think, I think this will be where Conte will strike a chord with people because everyone goes on about, oh, we want homegrown players in a team. Why can't we have, you know, Olerena in now or whatever? You know, the point is you do it when the time's right. For Conte, you know, normally when we see these young players get into the Chelsea team, it's in the last three games of the season yeah. or when there's a cup game or whatever, there's a, you know, first round of whatever. And he hasn't done that. Conte has got him involved in that squad more and more. And I I think this
0: really sets us up uh, for... Just just to go on a negative side of that, I don't mean to be negative, but this is the one gripe that I've got in that they're so trigger-happy with these loans. They knew Conte was coming in, that they allowed Lewis Baker to go out before he even had a training session. I don't think
3: Lewis Baker's ready. I think there's good things that he's going What
0: I mean, though, is I don't, I don't mean him but Conte staying here for the whole the season. Decision. What I mean is having that pre season to work with Conte, get a look at him, then send him to Vitesse. Have yeah. it all set
3: up. I think it's a year too early for Lewis Baker. I think he's smashing it at Vitesse. I think he'll come back, he'll have a good pre season next summer, and then I think he'll figure. I, I,
0: I just think that had had he been out, because especially those, um, the, the, the uh, fortnight they had in Austria, um, you know, I was there for the rapid Vienna game, and, um, you know, it was this. Uh, random team he'd put together you know with uh you know square pegs and round holes and, and what have you but i just thought then that had baker just been allowed to train with him for just for like those two weeks I had to deal him in place with a test and then after those two weeks when contes worked with him met him properly worked with him for you know intimately in terms of you know they're, they're at a training camp so they spending a lot of time together then let him go you know and, and the same with uh, Nathan Ake. And, uh you know, even with Christensen having part of his loan deal that he comes back and trains with Chelsea in pre-season, then goes off, whereas they seem to send them off too quick, where Conte's coming in, new boss, and he's had no time to work with those players, I'm not suggesting that they stayed all season, but to spend some part of the summer and then go to these loan clubs, because the whole point of them going there anyway is Chelsea want them back to be better players. But now Conte, was work, you know, because of the, um, the Euros, he, he didn't have Hazard and a few other players that are in a similar position to Baker, then he could have played in those games and then gone off whereas it was Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing as a second striker and that's just that shot him and then that there's these gaps in the squad that haven't been filled that you look and you think maybe had he had players around that you know he, he may but, have filled them
2: but we could say actually a lot of the whole up until we get to the to the first game of the season has not been handled brilliantly by the club in the fact that, you know, we didn't get any of the defensive targets. You know, it was a bit shambolic. Conte's coming in. He's having to look at what he's got um, and try and work out who does what, i.e. putting Loftus-Treek in as a a second striker and what have you. You know, things that if he'd have been able to have a bit more time, he would probably never have done. So it's kind of like we kind of had this false start to the season where we had those easier games at the start. And then it really started with Liverpool and Arsenal. And I think Conte may have got, I don't know whether he got a shock or not, but it it would have certainly made him aware of the squad he's got and what they lacked in, in the transfer window. Um, but I do think that he looks as though he's a man who's in for the long haul. And I hope, and I hope all the fans understand that. You know, you don't want it. Look, there's every chance that we could finish in the top eight or nine and that's it this year. Which is not... Wouldn't be surprising if we can't sort out the defensive issues. But I'll go with it because I like Conte. I like some of the things that we're seeing that he's done. And I just hope he gets given the time.
3: I think... Um... Going back to the game against Hull, that was their first clean sheet in eight away Premier League games. Uh, since so a 4-0 win at Aston Villa in April. I think there are green shoots. Look, it's Hull. You know, they weren't amazing. I mean, they only had um, two shots on target to our nine. They weren't exactly aggressive up front. But, you know, you can only play what's in front of you. I thought there were some, you know, some other fantastic performances. I thought Marcus Alonso, who I was critical of against Leicester, <coughs> I thought he looked, you know, I thought he looked all over the place. looked very, very comfortable in a five as a wing back. You know, he, yeah. and, and, he and Moses, for example, you know, 14 crosses between them. Going to say that the the difference when you see bless
2: Cesar for what he's done for us at left back for the last few years, but seeing Marcus Alonso running out somebody outside somebody and whipping it in with his left foot straight away, you just realise. Why do we keep playing players in the wrong position?
3: He had five shots. He set up a further four. You listen, going forward, I don't think there's any arguments about Marcus Alonso. I think the question mark is can you defend? Because yeah, yeah. you know this has always been the issue with us is that we've we've always had people that can can bomb forward. You know, can they Albert get back? Ferrer. Can they defend? Well, he could you know, defend. yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we were very very spoiled with Ashley Cole. Yeah, you know, um, and you look at Ashley Cole as the template for what what a left sided fullback should do. Who could get up? You could get back he could do everything you know these days the modern fullback is a more attacking player um and we've got to accept that but it would be nice if Alonso can defend as well I think he showed that he could I thought it was a you know I'm I'm the first one to hold my hands up when I'm critical of a player in a game to say you know fair enough you look much more comfortable in that system and maybe he was bought for that system
0: but also as well they've they've been working on it all week in training and he's he's aware of what's required of him just just to add to that I know I've been talking a little bit negative. I know it is only whole, but I think the most impressive bit about it from if we're looking at just Conte in terms of green shoots is that um, his willingness to adapt. Last year, the one thing that frustrated me with Jose is that no matter how bad things were, he kept 4-2, 3-1 regardless. Seska Matis in the middle. didn't care how overrun they were getting. And that seemed to be that that's all he wanted to try. Whereas you've seen Conte do the... um, you know, four two four in pre-season, then he's made it a four one, four one, then it went tipped up against Arsenal. So during the game he switched it to the three five two. Then he's gone away and worked it as a three four three. Now he might get criticised for the fact that he doesn't know what he wants, but at the same time my view is that he's given Chelsea options that you know Gus didn't give, Jose didn't give, and managers before them didn't have the courage to change. A V B had the four two three one. Matteo kept it um, he didn't. He didn't. Well, uh, there was another guy. I wasn't sure whether I should name him. Whether, whether I'm blaspheming. <laughs> oh, the fat Spanish white. Yeah. yeah. When, when he had, um, when he he came in, just kept it four two three one. So Conte's the first manager that's come in and been willing to change Changed it. it yeah. And I think now that you can see that he's getting systems set up that if things aren't going right, they can adapt. And obviously that's going to take time. But for me, that's what has impressed me most about him, his willingness to work through a problem rather than switching players around.
3: Well, I mean, what what I think what's interesting about that is that football evolves and 4-2-3-1 won us the league, you know, won us the Champions League, you know, so it's a system that worked, however football evolves and other managers evolve and you have to evolve with it and what's interesting, watching Mourinho at the moment, much as we love him and we'll always respect him, hopefully there'll be a statue one day but the fact of the matter is, looking at him in the early stages of this season you know, the cracks are starting to show in his tactical awareness because he isn't Changing it. He no, isn't evolving it. System. He's he keeping is. the same system. He's playing players, you know, as square pegs in round holes, which is what he did for us. And I think that you know, when you're playing players like Pogba, you know, in the wrong position and you've spent a hundred million pounds on him, yeah. you know, and he's a shadow of the player that he was at Juventus. I think you look at Mourinho and go, Are you the tactical genius that we but thought you were? Don't you think that's a bit of an ego thing as well? It's a statement as if
2: to go, I know he was a hundred million. But I think this is where I'll play him. Yeah. I
0: mean, he's done that so much in his career; yeah. it's unbelievable. Which is where I'm not trying to say that Conte's a better coach. You know, at, at Chelsea especially, he's got a lot to do before he can even be, you know, mentioned in the same breath as Jose. I totally agree. Totally but agree. I think that the one thing you see is that ego-wise, you know, when he was coming in, everyone, all the experts were saying, "Oh yeah, Chelsea will have a three-five-two, and they'll be doing this because that's what he does." But he's come in and he's actually trying to play a system that suits those players rather than what suits him. And I think you look at it with Jose that this is my system, this is what I play, now play it for me. And Conte's trying to find the one that works for those players, which which is what I liked against Hull.
2: Well, I I, I think you're right, you know. I mean, that, that shows his adaptability, but he's also looking at the players he's got. And I think a lot of this year is about him discovering what is in those players, you know, what there is to get out of Oscar. How can he make Oscar play certain ways? How can he get the best out of Pedro? He's looking at what he's got before he goes, you know what? These seven players have to go and then we'll go and get these ones. You know, I think he's... This year is a a voyage of discovery. But if there's a voyage of discovery going on, the one person that has just been constant already this season and has been absolutely, for me, you know, staggeringly good is Costa. I mean, he... I, I don't know. He looks better than he did two years ago. <coughs>
3: well, since, since Costa joined Chelsea, only Sergio Aguero and Harry Kane have scored more Premier League goals. You know, yeah. I mean, Sergio's got 55, Harry Kane's got 48, and Costa's got 38. You know, I mean, he is a consistent, world-class striker. And as he well, played in a bad Chelsea side last played year. Played in a bad Chelsea yeah. side. And temperamentally, I thought, on yeah. Saturday, he was immense. You and, know. And,
0: and those goals, um, you know, talking about what Aguero and uh, Kane have done, that there is a big gap in terms of the goals they scored. But you look at the strike rates... Uh, Aguero's 0.85 a game in the Premier League. Kane's 0.65 and Costa's 0.63, which just shows how those injuries and suspensions that he's had have really told up and stopped him scoring the goals that maybe he would. But, six um,
3: goals, six goals already this season, you yeah, know, uh, yeah. so what's that, six and seven? Six and seven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, that that's up there, that's up there with anybody in the world. At the yeah, moment. it
0: is, and w- what I did is, um, before I came here, I've, I've come slightly more prepared than I That's why you I got normally. set up for this,
2: Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but
0: um, uh, it's something I've been writing that's going to be published tomorrow, so I won't give too much away in case you want to. Go and read it. And, Nobody's um, going to
3: read it. No, yeah. it, in-
0: it. Indulge yourselves <laughs> in my talents. <laughs> we we want to be told that we don't like yeah. reading. But um, it's not a lazy comparison because I think the trend is there. But Chelsea signed him to be what Drogba was. And I think that you look at what he's done in his first two seasons. as parallels with, Costa, uh, with Drogba where... Drogba was always about his diving, and everyone was on his case, and you know, the, the media had... Yeah, he was hated. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it was an agenda or a campaign against him, but there was a lot of criticism about his diving, up to the point that even when he's, through his bad English at the time, he misinterpreted what diving meant, and he was saying, I do dive, no, I don't dive, you know, on that Match of the Day um, yeah. interview, and he got taken to town on it, and then gradually, the penny dropped in that, the start of that third season... And he became Drogba. You know, Drogba, Drogba. we you know. know and love. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, I just think you look at Costa now and the parallels are there. So just looking at... I know his stats and we can manipulate him, but looking at the stats, um, at this stage, in which was 10 years ago, 2006-07 season, when um, uh, Jose's third season, uh, Drogba's first season, leading into the October international break, uh, Drogba, seven appearances, five goals, one assist, conversion rate of 28%. Costa seven appearances six goals two assists conversion rate 27% I just think that you look at him and he's starting to become that player that leader in, you know, that, that leader of the line Where he's maturing yeah and I think you look at the age he signed for us and he was 25 and I think you forget that he, you know, I know John Terry makes a joke he looks 35 you know, or 45 rather than 25 but now he's 27 he's maturing he's coming into his peak years if Chelsea were to sell him it would be complete and utter folly and I think that you can see that teams are targeting him in terms of knowing the threat he's got, because if you look at the fouls he's had against him this season as well, 21 fouls against in yeah. seven games.
3: He was one, one card away from a yellow card uh, from a suspension on Saturday. Yeah. And I think all of us were sitting there going, for Christ's sake, take him off. We're yeah. 2-0 up. You know? But he, he handled himself very well. Never looked like getting booked but in I, I game. I think yeah.
0: that for... for You look at three of those cards have been for dissent, and then you look at the amount of fouls that have been against him, Mm. and he can sort of understand where that dissent's coming from, because he's getting frustrated with being kicked all the time.
2: And he's getting booked for last year's behaviour. Yeah, well, the last two years, and I think that... um, Yeah, but last year in particular, because it was a bad season, it all got a spotlight on it, so, you know...
3: Talking about players that I think have, you know, really come to the fore, and you look at, and you admire, I'm going to put... Tengala Kante on the table because I think that he is a hugely underrated heartbeat of our midfield. So, more passes uh, on Saturday, 79, more successful passes, 70, and more touches, 95 against Hull than he'd had in any of his previous 43 Premier League matches. And yet, everybody, nobody talked about him as man of the match. And yet, you know, the work, the work rate that he gets through and the diligence about which he goes about it and the intelligence in which he plays, for me, I thought he was astonishing on Saturday. Nobody mentioned him. They just, you know, because he does such an unfashionable job. Oh, I, I thought, he was brilliant. He, I thought he was immense. You know. you could, if, you, if you had to pick
2: any fault with him, it's so minor in the fact that he just can't shoot. He can't shoot. But, yeah. but, but he
3: made 13 ball recoveries yep. and four interceptions. 13! And, and, and that's a huge amount in a Premier League absolutely. game. Absolutely.
2: And he gets the ball and he can run forward with it. He can dribble. He can pass. He's one of those. What I love, he's one of those people. Whenever he's got it, it's a shock if it doesn't go to another player in blue. It's a real
3: shot. He plays a simple ball.
0: Yeah, I, he plays a simple ball. I think, as well, with him is that um, looking at, you know, we, we can talk about what he did with Leicester, but he's playing with one less player. And, you know, it, yes. he was playing with Drinkwater last season, now he's doing it alone. So th- there's times when he's been caught out. Like Interesting to see how, how, season,
3: poor, how porous Leicester are now without him. And people are saying, oh, it's yeah, nothing, exactly. to do with, nothing to do with it. I mean, come exactly. on, I mean, they're getting overrun no, in midfield. They weren't last and,
0: year. And, and you look, you know, that was the issue with Chelsea last year. And you look at Leicester right now and getting into the last international break this time last year. Chelsea are on eight points. Leicester, eight points. Struggling.
3: And interesting, playing with wing-backs as well gives him that little bit of protection. Yeah. You know, gives him the freedom a little bit to push forward. And what was interesting is Matic was sitting and N'Gole was going forward. You know, And you'd think automatically there'd be the other way round. And and they do switch, but he was giving N'Gole a, a lot more um, freedom to go and, and tackle and press higher up the pitch. Yeah.
0: But that, just, just talking to Matic as well, that run he made for Costa's goal and the, the way that Costa unselfish he made that run that pulled those whole defenders away yeah. and then I know the, the luck with the ricochet to Costa but sometimes you see Mattis marauding that. forward like that and he looks—he actually yeah. looks good he, get, he
3: he gets a lot of stick in the man in Mattis you know sometimes quite rightly sometimes he can have sloppy games but you know he had two shots um, he was uh, the game's second top passer after um, Kante, um, and he made more passes than anyone else except Eden Hazard. You know, and again, he's unfashionable. You know, yeah. what he does, sometimes he'll lose the ball in a, in, a, in a difficult area, and everybody gets on his case. And I think if you know anything about football and you watch the game intelligently, you look at players like Kante and Matic, and you look at the work they get through, and if you only see the mistakes, if if You only see the occasional misplaced ball or the occasional misplaced tackle, then you're an idiot yeah. because these players are hugely important. If we sold Matic, we would regret it. We would regret it, and I know well, people are calling
0: it the first time. Which yeah. we, we play, I know, but what? a lot the of people trip, turn and say, and s- and "Sell, and
3: sell Ivanovic, sell Cahill, sell Matic, sell Oscar." You know, sell the club, sell everybody, sack the manager. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, it's it's ridiculous. And I think people have got to take a step back, look at the game more intelligently, and look at what these players are achieving on the on the pitch more intelligently. Now, you know, I said, I think I said it last week that there's a balance issue in the team. I think the issue is in the back four and the holding midfield, but it's a balance, it's a system problem. I don't think it's an intrinsic, fundamental problem with individual players. I honestly don't.
2: Yeah, I, I think everything will become clearer and clearer through the season, you know. You, you ju- we have to, as Chelsea fans, just let Conte get on with it. We know that there are problems for some of those players and the way they've been playing for Chelsea. We know there's issues about the, f- the formation we play. But what we don't know is how Conte will eventually deal with this, whether that's in January or at the end of the season. And he has, for me, as has carte blanche to do what he wants this year to look at those players and to try and work with them. You know, whatever happened last year, something obviously went down that affected all those players whether that's Mourinho whether it was a system whether it was this whether it was that it was we'll just never collective know collective failings absolutely Failing, uh, so failings. We, we have to find out if those collective failings and those, the scars that are left behind from that are fixable and I think Conte is the right kind of person because I think he'll give him a certain amount of leeway and then he'll go this isn't working and this needs
3: to work. Can I can I, can I just tell you what he said after the game? I'm sure you know we've all said it. But he said, every game is very tough in England. I'm pleased with our performance because we scored two goals and got a clean sheet. I saw the right pressure and the right intensity from the players. After these two defeats, it's not easy to work because two defeats for Chelsea are heavy defeats. But this was a good answer. And I saw many of the players with great commitment, attitude and will to change the situation. I'm pleased for them. We must follow this with work, work, work. I like that. It was a positive statement of intent, you know, after two heavy defeats, and he basically said, we went away, we fixed it, it's not fixed completely. And I think, you know, that's exactly what he should have said. And contrast that with Mourinho, everybody else's fault. It's everybody else's fault. You know, they've still got... You know, he even came out and and blatantly said uh, a lot of them are still following Van Hull's philosophy they've not bought into mind. I mean, what's going on? I know. It's bizarre. Oh, it's good, though. You can see the signs are there, you know carry on
2: all you teams like Stoke going there and upsetting it, because I want to see him lose it.
3: Can I just make a, a quick little plug for our, um, our podcast live, um, because we're doing a, a live podcast in London on Tuesday the 8th of December at the Albany, Monday, Monday, the Monday the, is it Monday the 7th? <laughs> Have I got that wrong again? That's about the third week I've got it wrong. God, People thanks. are going to come on the, the wrong to day. make I'm sure coming. you're there on the right <laughs> I've night. I've got it Andy. written down, <laughs> sorry, sorry, okay, so we're doing a live podcast on Monday the 7th of November. You said December as well. <laughs> Monday the 7th Other than that, everything's fine. Monday the 7th of November at the Albany pub which is opposite Great Portland Street tube in central London. Uh, and very easy to get to. Special guest is Paul Cannonville, King Canners. Um, and he's going to be talking about his life as Chelsea's first ever black player, about the wonderful book, uh, Black and Blue, which was co written by a regular, uh, Chelsea podcast guest, Rick Lanville. Um, we're going to have a quiz. Rick's going to be there Rick's well. going to be there. You're going to be there. I'll be here. Um, yeah. uh, I'm going gu- to be there. Other guests You're are going to be, be there. there. Gary's going to be there. We're all going to be there. Um, tickets are a tenner. Um, and they're available from, we got, com. so if you go to wegottickets.com and search The Chels Podcast Live, you'll easily get them. Please come down, we'd love to meet some of the people that listen to the podcast and, uh, and have a chat with you. We'll do the podcast, we'll do an interview with Paul, a few extras, quiz, it'd be great. So, so do come to that uh, on Monday the 7th of November. That's it, yeah, that's exactly when Brilliant. it is. Hey, let's talk what
2: about. time, what time?
3: Uh, it's going to start about 7 o'clock, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Sort of. Producer do not <laughs> care. Um, right. So, uh, let's talk about the kids, I think. Um, under yeah. 18s, very quickly. Yeah, under no, 18s made it. The resume. Under 18s made it 14 home league wins in a row with, uh, their victory over West Ham on Saturday. Ika Ugbo with the only game of the, uh, goal of the game. Chelsea played with 10 men for the last half an hour after Dujon Sterling was red carded after 60 minutes. Uh, Reading at home on the 15th of October is their next game. Uh, development squad didn't have a game. Um, their next game's on Friday, the 14th of October against Leicester City. UA. Uh, No ladies game last week, but they pace a very tough test tomorrow night when they play Wolfsburg at Stamford Bridge in the first leg of the UEFA Women's Champions League round of 32. Kickoff 7pm. Tickets cheap as chips. They're available from the Chelsea website. Do get down and uh, support the women. Um, And I think that's on TV as well. And then just very quickly, a couple of the low knees that are out at the moment. I was just going to say that, Uh, yes. So, uh, first of all, Christian Atsu. Uh, on his full debut for Newcastle, hit the only goal of the game as they uh, Newcastle won away at Rotherham. Izzy Brown was in the Rotherham team for that. And, of course, Tammy Abraham, you know, who That's we talk about That's the story everywhere. of the week who, for me. Who? Who T- Tammy Abraham? Never heard of No. So Tammy <laughs> Abraham, who's on loan at Bristol, uh, scored a, scored an important goal for Bristol, created another uh, to keep Bristol City in the Championship's top six. He was 19 yesterday, or the day before yesterday. Anyways, his birthday this week. Only 19. Equalised in the second half against Nottingham Forest. He then headed down a free kick uh, to set up the winning strike three minutes later. Eight of Abraham's 11 goals this season coming in the Championship. He is the division's top scorer. And that's a good story.
0: And he's just been made the player of the month in the championship. Yes, yeah, the player of the month. That's right. Kiss so, of um, death. Kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, no more goals. Talking of goals, um, Charlie Colkett scored a ninety-second minute winner for Brist- the other Bristol team against That's right, Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to watch him on November the 19th against Milton Keynes well, he, well, he won't, won't be play. on the bench then yeah he, he won't, won't play <laughs> so I'm, I'm making the, tri- the, the trip all the way down the M4 so um, they any play player me. out there if Gary says he's going to do a piece <laughs> on you just say no because you won't play any football you'll be on yeah, the bench yeah, it happens a lot I was meant to do some stuff with John Terry last season against uh, in that Villa game and that was the only reason I went up there shouldn't he have been playing well he, he was coming back from injury and they are like oh, oh right, um, yeah. he's definitely going to play so you can come up do it after the game I'll go up there he wasn't even on the bench they just looked at me like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, uh, that's I, the Villa I, I game that the I curse. sat in a
3: traffic jam for about five hours and never got to. That was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hey, how about Robbie Di Matteo? Got sacked as Villa manager uh, oh. on Monday morning. Steve Clark I, I, is I the uh, a, Steve um, Clark's the caretaker manager there now.
0: I saw someone tweet his his goal from the um, the 2000 FA Cup final, saying, "Don't worry, Robbie, you'll o- you'll always have this." <laughs> so. Well, he'll also
2: <laughs> always have the Champions League. Well, there
0: they you go. Know, everyone in forgets t- in terms, that. In terms of
2: Villa, though, you know, um, yeah. scoring yeah, but, that goal uh, you know, he's, he's not quite cut it, as he is a manager? He scored that right? goal
3: against Villa in the worst FA Cup final of living memory. And he scored that goal terrible, against terrible. Middlesbrough. Terrible game. Oh, yeah, he scored, the, scored the winner in yeah. 14 seconds. Away yeah, 42 seconds. <laughs> 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 You're um, the
2: only one sat down out of my lot.
3: Yeah, yeah. Everyone uh, missed it. Are we done? But I think we are. So, think, so the next, next game's against uh, Leicester. Yep. Chelsea-Leicester in the league on Saturday the 15th. So a stupid international break this Yeah, weekend. so we won't be here next week. We won't be here because we don't talk about talk the international about, break. No. So we take our own international break on the Costa del, whatever Kerry's made up. Um, so that game's on the 15th of October, 12.30, early kickoff. Oh. playing the champions. Listen, I'm confident of three points in that game. Yeah,
2: I, I think that's going to be very interesting. You know, I mean, we'll talk about it more for in the... Will we, well, we won't do it. We yeah, won't. We, we won't, won't be doing do a podcast before the game. We should talk about it now. Yeah. You're quite right. I think that's quite interesting because I think Leicester... We were the worst ever defenders of a championship, weren't we, yeah. last year? We could be superseded by Leicester this year.
0: That yeah. quick? It could be. I'm looking forward to that game as well because it's an early kick-off. They do a nice breakfast in the press box. So. Oh, sorry for some, oh, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> It's a bit early for, <laughs> pra- early for prawn sandwiches, isn't it? <laughs> but no, they do this nice scrambled egg and uh, bacon combo. It's good.
3: yeah. But it was interesting We'll have a Bovra, like, yeah, okay. whatever. Yeah. yeah, whatever Yeah, whatever, gal. We'll keep it real, Kerry
2: Yeah, we will Yeah, we'll, we'll go for an Italian <laughs> <laughs> Vietnamese <laughs> yeah, we'll Vietnamese, it's closed, unfortunately um, But yes, I, I think it's going to be an interesting game I think we'll win it I think we'll win it by a couple of clear goals um, uh, What
3: did I say about the whole game?
2: Yeah, uh, it was very good Is yeah. that what you said yeah, about yeah,
3: it? Yeah, I texted Kerry, said, two-nil. he said 2-0 He did, he said
2: 2-0 What was your prediction on here last Did, did he say the two-nil. scorers,
3: though? Didn't say to score. Ah, you're
2: used to, you know. see, so. no, it was it was impressive, and that was before it even got started. So yeah, it was good. I think the Leicester game will be interesting. I have to say, in the cup game the other week, I thought it was really nice. At the end of the game, all the Leicester players went over and were hugging Cante and everything, and having a laugh and a smile. Obviously, missing because they know what they've lost there, and and I, th- I think he will prove that again next week against Leicester. Yeah. So I suppose we should um, do a prediction for that.
3: Well, I'm on a roll with 2-0, so I'm going 2-0. OK, Gary. We'll concede.
2: No, we won't, Gary. 2-1.
3: <laughs> 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. I'm going to go,
2: because I've been away, I'm going to go for 4-0, the best <laughs> performance of the season.
3: <sighs> it's not out of the realms of possibility. It's not.
0: It? Gary doesn't
2: believe
3: it. I just me,
0: remember he, he, does, he did it at Bristol Rovers, I think, the last time I was on with him. He said, oh, we'll beat him 6-0. And we just got over the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, No easy games at this level. Off, I don't half look good. <laughs> You're (laughs) like the Mark Lawrenson of the Chelsea podcast. Oh, don't ever. That's horrible. (laughs) He's camping. He's He's wearing a shirt like Lawrenson's, aren't he? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't say that.
2: (laughs) 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 But, okay, well, we'll we'll see what happens. But hopefully it will be three points. It'll be another March. And we'll show the champions how champions really play. So thanks for coming along. Good to see you all. Nice to be back. And have a good week. Arrivederci.
3: If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for The Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?